Um, Aurelia gave my sermon in her communion meditation, and then Eleanor sang my sermon, so we can just go home. Um, let's make everybody's day shorter. Uh, I have two readings that I'm going to share today. Um, one is from Matthew chapter 6. Good Lord, okay. Uh, verses uh, 26 through 34. It says, look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns. Yet our God in heaven feeds them. Aren't you more important than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add a moment to your lifespan? And why be anxious about clothing? Learn a lesson from the way the wildflowers grow. They don't work. They don't spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in full splendor was arrayed like one of these. If God can clothe in such splendor the grasses of the field, which bloom today and are thrown on the fire tomorrow, won't God do so much more for you, you who have so little faith? Stop worrying then over questions such as what are we to eat, what are we to drink, or what are we to wear? Those without faith are always running after these things. God knows everything you need. Seek first God's reign and God's justice, and all these things will be given to you besides. Enough of worrying about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Today has troubles enough of its own. We hear the voice of God through these words. The second reading I have, I am going to make this a little higher. I'm sorry. Son of a God. All right. The second reading I have uh, comes from First Ted Lasso, chapter 8. <laughs> Amen. Ted says... You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school. I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on a wall there. that said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work, and all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them was curious. They thought they had everything all figured out. So they judged everything, and they judged everyone, and I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I, had, was, was, who I was had nothing to do with, with it. Because if they were curious, they would have asked questions, you know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? To which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father, from age 10 till I was 16 when he passed away, and he throws the last dart and he hits the bullseye, and he says, barbecue sauce. And it's amazing. <laughs> I like that scene from Ted Lasso because when I saw it, I felt very, very seen and understood. I was never very masculine in the sense that the other men around me thought I should be. Uh, One particular aspect of that was in sports. I just never really cared about what was going on, like on the court or the field or whatever the sport has, you know? (laughs) Those are things people play sports on, courts and fields. But I enjoy, I enjoy spending time with people who liked that. I, I would go to, um, to different games with people and, and had a good time. But, but I found that when I would ask a question about what was going on, I would be mocked uh, for, for not already knowing. How could I, a person with a penis, not have come out of the womb with an insatiable desire to have known everything at, uh, uh, about all sports ball games as possible and learn it as quick as I could and carry it with me forever and ever? I did TV quotes, um, the same way that some of you can do stats from like uh, 
Michael Jordan's very first game in the NBA, I have no idea. But I can quote most episodes of The Office for you. <laughs> so in a kind of childish reaction, I just decided not to really care about or, or learn anything about sports. If that was the way people were going to be, I was just like, I was not interested. Except one. The one sport I always kind of had a passing interest in was baseball. A really, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I enjoyed going to a baseball game, like in person, being in the stadium. There's just, there's like, a, the vibes are immaculate at a, at a baseball game, okay? It's just delightful. And during the pandemic, I know that a lot of people, uh, the, you know, the pandemic year, the, the long one, we're still in that year. I know a lot of people like discovered new hobbies or dove into like ones they already had. And so I decided to learn more about baseball by watching baseball. Hillary called me. She was like, hey, um, there's a charge on our bank account for MLB.tv. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm watching baseball now. Don't worry about it. And she's thankful for that now, I want to say. Right decision for our family. Uh, so, but we started watching the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, that was the team that I decided I wanted to watch because I liked their colors. Uh, <laughs> that's how I made that choice, basically. I did have two college professors that were like from St. Louis and lifelong Cardinals fans, and it was really fun to watch them watch the Cardinals win a World Series while I was in college. So that was part of it, but mostly I like their, their red. It's a great red. But so we would like Google terms we didn't know or things that we had questions about or Google, you know, like Cardinals history or lore because we wanted to know more about them. And I had a friend that was like very kind and, and gentle with me. And I would be like, hey, um, what is a grand slam? He's like, oh, that's when the bases are loaded and a dude hits a, a home run and they all go. I was like, that's freaking cool. Um, and so I, I, this is how I learned, Googling and one friend who was kind and like, was like, yeah, you don't know anything, but you want to, and I'll, and I'll help you learn. So throughout three seasons, we've become pretty big Cardinals fans and just fans of baseball in general. Uh, the Cardinals, Cardinals had their worst season in 30 years, and we're not going to talk about that. But um, even though there were two Texas teams in the World Series, I didn't watch a single moment of it because I was too bitter. Uh, and, and that's, you know, God's problem. But um, <laughs> I, we didn't watch it, but, but all, just all of that, the, the, like, the random baseball and Cardinals knowledge about players and all the stuff that I have just came from a place of curiosity. It was like, I want to learn about baseball. I want to watch it and, and learn a little bit about it. And in the gospel reading today, Jesus addresses our curiosity a little bit. I don't know about you, but I find myself wondering about, being curious about all the what-ifs and the possible futures all the time. Uh, and, and here Jesus kind of takes that tendency to task. I don't think there's anything wrong with making plans, determining trajectory, trying to, to figure some things out for ourselves. I think this, this, it's, not, it's not meant to bring shame to anyone like me who has an anxiety disorder. I understand when we've experienced lack and scarcity of any kind, it's our normal and our default to think about these things. What am I going to eat? How am I going to pay for kids' clothes? All those things. This is not to, meant to diminish those realities. But I do think Jesus wants us to be honest about why we focus on some of these things so often. Why are we spending so much time and energy on curiosity about things that generally can probably be pretty easily taken care of? I know for me, it's because sometimes that's easier than being aware of what's happening in the world around me. And as per usual, Jesus has something to say about that. He says, seek the kingdom of God. 
be curious about where the divine is at work in the world that we inhabit here and now. I've honestly never been more nervous to preach about something in my life. I had Aurelia read this last night, and I was like, hey, am I going to get in trouble? Uh, and she was like, no, you're good, which made me feel great. Um, but Because <laughs> in the here and now, we're watching on the other side of the world as a millennia-old hostility between two people and a three-quarter century-old apartheid has led to an acute genocide. We're, we're just watching it happen on the little computers in our pockets. We have access to it 24-7. I've been talking to several people about this this week because I'm in our community, and I've shared that I have some guilt for not really saying a whole lot about it in a public way, like through my social media and things like that. Not that I have like a huge social media following, but I, I use that from time to time to speak out about things that I think are wrong or evil or that should be stopped. When Hamas attacked Israel, so many people I knew immediately started posting solidarity with Israel and and all those kinds of things. And then as Israel began what, what is a disproportionate response, people began sharing how important a free Palestine is. I didn't know what to do. Because it was more complicated than than many thought leaders in the world would have me believe. Here's where I think most people can agree. And I, I, I had to stop and start this idea a lot of times because I I couldn't figure out what qualifiers to put on who should be killed and who should be mourned for being killed. Is it women and children? Is it disabled people? Is it the soldiers who, you know, at least maybe signed up for this possibility? Is it oppressed people who felt they had no recourse but to violently lash out? Who is it okay to kill? Who is it a tragedy to see murdered? Are we not all, are not all Israelis, all Palestinians, bearers of the image of God? How do we decide which image bearers it's okay to be slaughtered and which are not? I don't have an answer to the absolute geopolitical shit show that's happening right now. So I've had to take time to be curious about what I don't know about this. I could keep learning and learning the ins and outs of the history of this conflict for months on end and still barely scratch the surface. If I'm seeking the kingdom of heaven here and now, I have to be able to hold that both both terrorist organizations and Zionist governments are wrong if they're participating in the wholesale slaughter of one another. If I'm to curiously seek the kingdom of heaven, I have to beg and plead with the people who can do a damn thing about it to stop the killing. If I'm curiously seeking the kingdom of God, I have to be willing and able to tell people what I'm for and what I'm against. If I'm curiously seeking the kingdom of heaven, I have to admit when I don't know what I don't know. You might be asking yourself how the hell we went from Ted Lasso to me being devastated by the Cardinals finishing at the bottom of their division to me trying to make sense of what's happening in Gaza, and that's fair. (laughs) The connection is there. At least a little bit of what's going on is that over and over and over again, to paraphrase maybe Walt Whitman, I've learned that it's almost always better to be curious than to be reactionary. It's almost always better to be curious than to be reactionary. When I don't know what to do or say, I often find myself turning to prayer, 
Prayer isn't always the same for me. It doesn't look the same for everyone in this room. So for now, I'd invite you, if it feels right in your faith journey, to join your thoughts with my words. You can bow your heads and close your eyes or not. Do what feels comfortable for you while we pray. God, we don't know everything. I don't know what it means if you know everything and shit like this is still going on. What I know is that so many of our hearts can't handle the horrors we're seeing on our phones every day. What I know is that it is manifold worse for those who are living it and risking their lives to share their experience so that we can't say we don't know what's happening. God, give us compassionate hearts that act as we're able to bring an end. Give us curious hearts to seek the kingdom of heaven for all on earth. Amen.